0: Well, we are in part four of what's in a name, and we have kind of hijacked that name, what's in a name, from something that Shakespeare had Juliet say, and Romeo and Juliet, she, she had, uh, he had her say that basically a name is meaningless. She, he, she was trying to get the point across, man, if only Romeo's last name was anything else, we could be together because a name doesn't really mean anything, a name doesn't define a person, a name doesn't tell you who you are. And so, man, if only his last name was different, we could be together. And so what is in a name? A name is meaningless. That was her point. And so we have been kind of saying for these last several uh, weeks now that in our culture, it's exactly true, right? I mean, names don't mean much in our world. But if you go back to Bible times, names meant a lot. In fact, what you can find through the pages of the Bible are people who experience God in some awesome way, and then a name comes out of it, right? So if God shows up in this way, And does something awesome. Let's say he provides for a bunch of people. Then they start to call him God the provider. Or maybe he'll give himself the name. I am God the provider. And, And we were just, I was reading through the Bible and just reading through some of these names. And I realized it's so powerful to know what these names mean. And we have to start to understand God like they understood God. That we have to start to be able to relate to God like they related to God. Because, man, they would experience God in some awesome way. And then they would say, man... God, you've come through like this for me. And you know what? There are people in the room tonight, you need to experience God like the people in the Bible experience God, don't you? I mean, that was one of the biggest things in my relationship with God, where I struggled and I doubted, I wasn't sure if God was real or not. When I began to experience God for myself in the ways the Bible said he could show up, everything changed in my relationship with God. And so we think it's super important to begin to talk about All these different names, because I like to kick bats and drop them over. Sorry about that. Uh, Because it's just so important to say, wow, God does that, and then begin to relate to him in that way. It's kind of like a nickname. When, When you look at the Bible, you see that, people kind of gave God nicknames, or God gave himself some nicknames. Um, We've had a a nickname for Landon, my youngest, for a long time now, and if you've been around, you know it's Landon the Destroyer. Ever since he was a little kid, he'd destroy stuff. I told you guys years ago, he pulled over Christmas trees on top of Kelly and all kinds of stuff, and he's just Landon the Destroyer. Now, this past week, it was his fifth birthday, and I wrote on Facebook uh, something that Cade had said in a card for him. Um, Cade and Brynn sat down, and they wrote Landon, these birthday cards, I'm going to read some of Brittany's first. She started with yellow, and it's real hard to read that, but I'll do my best. So, uh, it's actually kind of easy because it's, it's kind of meant to be a song. Happy birthday to you! You're five, woo hoo hoo! You you look like a superhero, and you are one too, so that's cool. And then she wrote, "I love you so." That's a lot, much. You're an awesome brother. You're kind. You're sweet. You're funny. You're cool. You're smart. You're handsome. You're very talented. You're the smartest five-year-old ever. Thanks for being such a great brother you're good at sports, you're good at math, and for a five-year-old, you're very, very good at reading. You're helpful, you are very, very, very patient, you're very, very strong, you're very calm, C-O-M. <laughs> and, and when I was reading this back with her, she looked at me, she goes, yeah, yeah she, he, he's not really calm, don't read that one. <laughs> you're good with animals, I don't know how that one got in there. You're encouraging, I-N-C-E-R-I-G-G-I-N-G, X-O-X-O-X-X-O, love Brin. Okay, so that was Brin's awesome card. Now, Cades, now some of you guys already saw this on Facebook. Lennon, you're a awesome brother. You're the best brother in the world. You need to know that reading is hard in school, but over the summer practicing, you'll get it. <laughs> Sometimes you get cranky, but I still love you. And this was awesome. This really melted my heart. He goes, you're getting older now, okay? <laughs> you're getting older now. This' just picture my other son writing this because uh, he was all nine and all, you know, but... You're getting older now, but this was really powerful. You need to know that you're gonna have hard times in your life, and you need to trust in God and pray if you need him. And so I thought that was so awesome. Now, as Lennon is in the house, and Brennan and Cade are writing down these amazing cards and letters, right? Cade literally finished his last line about trusting in God and praying if you need him, and turned around to be hit in the head <laughs> by a wiffle ball bat, from Landon the Destroyer, okay? And so Cade was all freaking out. He just, I was writing a nice card and he hit me. And Kelly looks at him and says, well, you just said life would be hard. You know, so that works, right? And so kind of like we have this nickname, Landon the Destroyer, because of our experiences with him. Then in the same way, people experience God. They saw God show up in amazing ways. And so far, the names we've studied are the God who sees us. Sometimes it's so powerful just to know God sees you. You're in the midst of a really hard situation. Guess what? God sees you. Or the God who is enough. The God who is enough. The God who can do anything. The God who is not intimidated by your situation or inhibited. Who loves you. Who's there for you. And just big enough to do what it is you need. And then last week, I think, was the best. Not because of me, but because of the people who followed me. Uh, God, our healer. And if you missed last week, you need to listen online to Kelly, Artie, and my dad. Their stories, you can, if you want to skip my part, go to about 25 minutes, and you can go right to these three stories of God showing up and healing, and it was phenomenal and so powerful. And so I think it's important to know that God is, is these things to us. And tonight, we're going to talk about a new name of God, and we're going to talk about something that's honestly really interesting, because as we kind of unveil the name in a few minutes, you're going to think, you know, if I had to give God a nickname, I would never give him that name. In fact, tonight is a name that God gives himself. He calls himself something. And you and I would never, ever have named him this. In fact, we would feel uncomfortable naming anyone the name that God is gonna reveal about himself tonight. And the reason he gives himself this name is because of something that was going on in the people's lives. You see, there are these people that we talked about last week, the Israelites, right? We're gonna get into that a little bit more. But there was something they were doing And out of that relationship, God gave himself this name. And you know what it is that they were doing? They were settling. They were settling. The people who had been in this relationship with God began to settle for things that weren't as great as God. So rather than looking to God for ultimate satisfaction and looking to God to come through in their situations, they began to look to things that just simply weren't even close, that honestly were laughable when it came to comparison to who God really is. You know what? You and I do the same thing. You and I settle sometimes, don't we? Instead of looking to God for ultimate satisfaction, we begin to look to some other things. Things that aren't necessarily bad, and I'm going to keep this all in balance tonight. I'm not saying the things I'm about to list are bad things, but when we look to them to satisfy us, we fall short. We settle. We miss out. And so, so often, I don't know about you and I, man, but, but I, I often, I, I can look to entertainment to satisfy, right? There's, there's something going on in my life. I just, I just want to kind of numb out, right? So instead of looking to God, I, I, I numb out and I try to get entertained to the point where I forget that issue or that problem. And God must be in heaven going, wait, why don't you turn to me? Nothing wrong with entertainment. Enjoy entertainment, but man, you got a hole in you right now. You don't need entertainment. You need me some of us do this with relationships we have something going wrong you know in in one relationship or one relationship falls apart a dating relationship falls apart so we jump into another right and instead of going to God and letting him be ultimate and find our satisfaction and our joy and who we are in him it's like we run to this other relationship some of us who are a little bit older in the room we're looking for this in a certain dollar amount or a certain status at our job some of us parents in the room We do this with our kids. We look for our ultimate satisfaction and joy in life in raising good kids and getting kids to be just like we want them. I see this on the sports field all the time. My son plays baseball and you know what? Sometimes he does well, sometimes he doesn't do so well and then there's these other dads out there and their sons are like phenomenal and doing amazing and they make one little mistake and they start freaking out and screaming and yelling, well, what's going on there? Well, that guy, I'll tell you what is ultimate to him. He wants his son to be in the MLB one day and anything short of that is failure for him and that's ultimate. And that's become satisfaction. And you know what? Some of us, it's shopping. Some of us, it's just stuff. Some of us, it's popularity or it's relationships or it's just it can be a million different good things, right? But what happens is we settle. We begin to look to those things to fill the spot that only God can and should and desires to fill. You ever settled in your life? You ever settled even on a natural level? When Kelly and I got married, after a few months, we went back and watched our wedding videos. And the videographer had gone around at our reception and he'd asked a bunch of different people, like, hey, do you wanna say something to Doug and Kelly? And so he went through and a bunch of them, there were some great things in there. But then he went over to my grandma my grandma Jansen. And grandma Jansen was getting a little bit later in life and she was getting a little bit crazier in life. And so as i never forget, she's sitting in this big chair in the lobby and this you know, this big regal shot on her and she comes on, you know, and, and he says, Grandma, what do you want to say to Doug and Kelly? And she goes, I just want to say, I am so thankful that Doug found Shelly. <laughs> Kelly looks at me and she's like, Who's Shelly? I'm like, I don't know. Ask grandma, you know. And, and then she goes, and then she goes, we are so glad he didn't end up with that other girl, oh. right? <laughs> Maybe that was Shelley. I don't know, I don't know, I'm not quite sure, right? But what was she saying? She was saying, we're so glad Doug didn't settle. We're so glad Doug went for what was best, right? That's what she saw in her eyes. And you know what? So often, you're all wondering who the other girl is, I'm not telling you. Uh, <laughs> so often, so often, we do that as well, don't we? Right, we look at God. And then we look at something so much less important and powerful and wonderful and beautiful, and we settle. And so you know what? You know why we need to hear this message tonight? You know why this name matters so much tonight? Because God fights for you and I to have ultimate satisfaction in him. He is committed to it. He wants you to be satisfied. Isn't like the best news in the whole world? Some of you walked in here tonight thinking, this is all religious, this is all some thing I gotta do, it's some checks I gotta make off on my list here, read my Bible, did my stuff, went to church, good, now I'm good. That is so not the picture. We're missing it if that's the way we live. God wants you satisfied. That's why he wants you. That's why he came for you. That's why he wants you to know him. That's why he says church is important. That's why he says the things we're gonna talk about tonight are important, not to ruin your fun, actually to give it to you, to give you fun, to give you satisfaction, to give you ultimate joy. And so often we have this backwards. And so tonight, because God is fighting for you, we're going to find out what name he gives himself as we kind of go through this and see what God is about to unveil. Now, some of you guys aren't maybe Christians tonight, you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe you're coming in tonight going, man, I don't know, I got dragged here, or somebody invited me, or I just kind of was driving by, and I saw people handing out drinks on the sidewalk. I was like, I like drinks, and I came in, you know, I don't even know what's going on, right? And so here I am, but you know what? Maybe God wants to satisfy you. Maybe God can. Maybe you don't believe he's there, but man, what if he is, and what if he could satisfy you? What if he could do what nothing else has done, where everything else has fallen short? What if? Let's look tonight and see what we see here in this story. So as we were talking about last week, God's done some unbelievable miracles, right? He's brought the Israelites out of Egypt, literally split a sea, did all these kinds of crazy miracles. He's been leading them through the desert, like we talked about last week, literally did a miracle to save all their lives, bring drinking water to them. And this whole story we went through last week and you know, showed himself to be God the healer. And then we see what happens here and what is going on is Moses has led them to Mount Sinai and Moses has gone up this mountain and he's talking with God and he's gone for 40 days. And look what happens. Remember what happened. God did all these miracles, all these ridiculous things, brought them out of Egypt, Mount Sinai. Moses is up there. Exodus 32 verse one says, when the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, listen, this is crazy. Come make us gods who will go before us As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't even know what has happened to him. How quickly we forget. How quickly these people forgot. I love the terminology, right? As for this fellow Moses guy, I mean, whoever he is, right? Oh, that guy who sort of kind of was used by God to get us out of slavery that we've been in for 400 years and part the sea and do all that kind of crazy stuff. As for that fellow, we're not quite sure where he is, and so they say, let's make some gods, okay, so God did all this great stuff, and we, we get that, but, but we're kind of, I mean, it's been 40 days, right, we got to make ourselves some new gods to follow, and so they start working on a plan, and I guess before we bust on the Israelites too hard, we have to see this in ourselves, right, you know, before we start kind of saying, oh, look at these people, how could they do that, we got to see this in ourselves, how many times has God come through in our lives, And very shortly after, we're looking to things so much less valuable than him for our ultimate satisfaction. We all do it. We all struggle with this. This is something that we, no matter how long we've been a follower of Jesus, no matter how short we've been a follower of Jesus, it's something that we can also easily fall into. Let's see where the story takes us. In verse two, it says, Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast into the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, insanity, right? These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Now there's gotta be some guy in the crowd looking around going, no, that's not, (laughs) right? I mean, you just made that. I mean, my wife Agnes, she was just wearing your God in her ears, right? Like, like, that's, that's earrings, that's jewelry. Like, has anybody else seen it? I made that up. I don't know if that actually happened. But, you know, I mean, somebody's got to be in the crowd going, did he just say the cow got us out of Egypt, right? Did he just say that's what rescued us? That's, was anybody else there? I didn't even see the cow until about an hour ago. And now we're worshiping the cow. We're looking to it as the one that saved us. Guys, I hate to say it, man. Ooh, isn't that us Sometimes. Oh, man, God brought me through this. And a week later, it's like, oh, man, this is amazing. This new relationship. But wait, God who? Wow, this, this entertainment. Did you get the new model? Did you? Oh, I went shopping again. Oh, oh, I got promoted. Oh, guess how much I'm gonna make now. God? God who? See us in this. See us in the middle of this. Think about God's perspective in all of this. Think about God looking, going, wait a minute, are you kidding me? You're gonna gonna start to worship this thing that you made? This may seem like a really bad example, but I think it's as spot on as I can get tonight. I want you to think about Kelly coming home to me, right? She walks through the door, and I meet her at the door with this. (laughs) And I say, honey, I just wanna let you know tonight, me and Barbie are going out We're going out nice night I got tickets to the greatest show on earth I got I got we're going to dinner where right she would be looking back at me like I'm complete like you're all looking at me right now like I'm completely insane like are you this is fake Doug I could buy this for 15 dollars it takes a picture and you can see it on her stomach Doug like wake up this is not Barbie fashion photo doll. There you go. Google it, okay? (laughs) Right? But that is, guys, guys, as silly as that is, she's going, I'm real. I'm alive. What are you, are you serious? That had to be God's perspective. Probably way worse. That had to be God's perspective as he's looking down going, hello, I did all the stuff you're excited about right now. I did all that. And now you're making something out of earrings and you're worshiping it? You're leaving me, just like as insane as it would be for me to leave my wife and go do that. That is what these people are doing. And I hate to say it, that is what we so often do. Verse seven, then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. So God knows what's going on. He's not dumb. He's on the top of the mountain talking to Moses and he goes, you better get back down there, man. Things are getting crazy. So Moses goes down. Becomes incredibly angry, breaks the Ten Commandments, punishes the people, and then goes back up to talk to God after the next chapter. Verse chapter thirty-three kind of goes on with the conversation, and in verse thirty-four we see this. The Lord said to Moses, so he's back up the mountain, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablet, which you broke. Right, that, that's an awkward conversation with God, right? like, well, God, I, I got angry, and I was, he's like, don't, just, just, just don't, right, right, just, all right, just chisel him out, right, and then verse 2 says, be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai, present yourself to me there on top of the mountain, so Moses listens, he, he goes, and he does what he needs to do, he comes back, and God and Moses talk, and this is so powerful, verse 11 says, obey what I command you today, I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. He says, look, I, I'm still, I still love you. Maybe that's what you need to hear tonight. Maybe like, you can tune me out for the rest of the night. Maybe you just need to know that after people can do something as crazy as the Israelites did, God was still with them and still for them and said, I'm still gonna fight for you. And he says, look, I promised you a land. I'll still give it to you. In fact, I'll drive everybody out of your way. But look what he says. The reason he says that is this. He says in verse 12, be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you're going or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones and cut down their share poles. What he's saying is, look, you're gonna go into these other lands, you're gonna go into these other places and I don't want you to do again what you just did. I don't want you to forget me. I don't want you to try to make something ultimate that's not. I don't want you to settle. And so, don't get caught up in it. Don't make trees. In fact, destroy the things that you could potentially worship. He's saying, look, let's not mess around. Let's not play around. And then, verse 14, we get our name. He says, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Isn't that a weird name for God to give himself? Isn't that kind of strange? God says, look, I am a jealous God. You know what name comes out of this? You know what nickname comes out of this experience we've all had? Jealous. I'm a jealous God. Now you and I hear that and we think, I would never call God that because it seems childish. Childish. It seems kind of immature. In fact, like we're all thinking of somebody in our life that was a super jealous person. They just were miserable and they were overbearing and they were kind of ridiculous. And it was like the guy who, you know, if you just like turned in the direction of him walking with his girlfriend, he's in your face like, hey man, you're looking at my girl, you know? And just like that whole persona. And wait, that's what God's like? Well, we gotta talk about this for a second because here's the thing. There's a stupid, foolish jealousy and then, there's a completely appropriate jealousy. For example, if someone started to flirt with my wife, it would be appropriate for me to be jealous because I belong to her, she belongs to me. Why is that going on? Why is this person after her affections? Why is someone doing that? That's appropriate. And God, guys, listen, when, when, when we flirt with things that have the potential to destroy our relationship with him, he appropriately gets jealous. He appropriately says, wait a minute, I belong to you and you belong to me. Why would you look to that to ultimately satisfy you? See, God has an appropriate level of jealousy when you and I settle and we look to anything less than him to be that ultimate thing in our life. It's a priority issue. What is first? What is ultimate? Because any time we make it something besides God, he's jealous. Now, we have to figure out a little bit more about this jealous thing. You see, God's not jealous of us. He's jealous for us. I'll try and explain that again. Uh, if my wife was out and some, some big jack dude with like beautiful hair came up to her and started talking to her, now, I would be jealous of the guy, but I'd be jealous for Kelly. You guys see what I'm saying? I'd be jealous of him. Like, he's got nice hair and he's jacked, right? But I would be jealous for her because I'd be going, wait a minute. I, I should be that. Like, like any satisfaction, any, any flirting, any, you know, anything going on on that level should be between strictly me and her. And so I'm not jealous of her. I'm jealous of him, but I'm jealous for Her, because we're supposed to be together and we're supposed to be the ones that are in that close relationship and our satisfaction in that way is supposed to come only from one another. And so I would be jealous for Kelly. And you know what? God is jealous for you and I. For, not of, of maybe a little bit child's, but for, God is jealous for you and I when we look to things that aren't him, when we look to things that are just less beautiful, amazing, powerful, and awesome than he is. You know, as you guys think about it, jealousy is actually really powerful, isn't it? Just think for a second. God is jealous for you. Just just, just think. You really can only be jealous for something that you greatly love, that you've greatly invested in. And God feels that way for you. God desires you to a level and your heart to a level that he's able to say, yes, he's mine. She's mine. I I gave my son for him. I gave my son for her. I've really invested. I really care for I really love them. So I think jealousy is powerful. And inside this relationship, in this appropriate way, Jealousy is something that is beautiful, that is right. And so I don't know what you look to normally. I don't know what you tend to lean toward when something kind of breaks inside you. I don't know what you ultimately are aiming your life at, if it's great kids or a great marriage. Hey, those are good things, but I'll tell you what, and maybe this is just like a little bit off topic, but, but stick with me. If you aim ultimately at your marriage or your kids, they're gonna fail. They're not gonna be what they could. Maybe they won't break apart and be this whole, but but man, they're not gonna be what they could. But listen, this is so powerful. When your priority is right and God is your ultimate satisfaction, you watch what God will do in your marriage. You watch what God will do with your kids. And so we have this whole amazing dynamic. When that priority is set, so is everything else. When that priority is on point, when you are aiming your life at finding your satisfaction in him and your greatest joy is him and your greatest love and passion is him, then watch everything else that we make ultimate. Watch everything else begin to line up like he calls it to. And so what I hope you guys will walk away with tonight, and then I'll just get practical for a second and close. What I hope you guys walk away with tonight is that God is jealous for you. God is jealous you, He loves you, he wants you. He doesn't want an aspect of you, a part of you, a piece of you, a fragment of you. He wants all of you. And so how do we respond to that? Well, I think we've gotta respond to that jealousy. I think we gotta respond and look to him and say, all right, God, if you love me like that, and you view everything else that I look to ultimately, as settling, then God, I'm gonna respond to you. So how do we respond to this? You know how we respond to his jealousy? You know how we respond to this passion, this yearning he has for you and I? It's by making our relationship with him the priority. And so when we say, all right, God, more than anything else, it's gotta be you. And so you know what this looks like? And we'll just get real simple and practical. If you're a sports guy, this means you enjoy some sports, but you know what? There's gotta be some times where you say no to sports and you say, I'm gonna spend some time just seeking God. If you don't wanna seek God, can I tell you a prayer that's a great prayer? God, I don't wanna seek you, but I I want to want to seek you, so would you please put that in me? If you're a movie guy like I am, I love to watch movies, there better be some times in my life where I'm saying, man, all right, I gotta get to bed by this because I gotta get up by then, and you know what? I gotta spend time with God more than I gotta watch a movie right now. I better be outside my house, walking in the neighborhood, praying, looking up at the stars, getting things right in here because man, the rock is cool and you can blow stuff up but man, when I'm out walking around the neighborhood and I see the stars, everything God's created, just everything comes right in my heart and so man, there's gotta be times I'm saying no to that and yes to this and way, 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 way more than all the other stuff we can enjoy. I've gotta be passionate about him It means saying no sometimes to spending my time in this way so that I could open his word. It means saying no sometimes to this so that I can be here. I can grow in church, in a community group. It takes sacrifice, right? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes when I'm on my way to community group, I'm exhausted and I'm shot and I can't imagine going, but when I leave, I'm always like, thank you, God, that I went because I needed this tonight. It's taking all those things that are good and you should still enjoy, but submitting them and saying, God, you are it, you are it. I will respond to the jealousy you have for me by looking to you with all that I am. And guys, look, this is not some raw deal we're getting. This is not some bad deal we're getting. If we will live this way, you know what will happen to you and I? We'll be satisfied people. We'll be satisfied people who can enjoy sports sometimes. We'll be satisfied people who can enjoy trying to climb that ladder at work and do a great job, but it's not ultimate. We'll do, you know, people who are satisfied in our love and our relationship with God who have a great marriage and are raising kids to love God and enjoying them and, you know, watching people hit heads with wiffle bats. It's fun sometimes, you know? And so, you know, just all these things, watch them fall into place when he is ultimate, when he is first. And so if you're walking in here tonight, probably like the rest of us, then you probably identified already what it is in your heart that's ultimate. For some of you, it's God. For some of you, you walked in, and if you were honest with me, you would say, God, Doug, I gotta tell you, God really is number one. He is my priority. My relationship with him is number one. I would just say, man, he's jealous for you. Keep it that way. Keep seeking him. But there's many of us that walked in tonight, and, and if we're honest, we know God's not our priority. And this isn't a slap on the wrist. God's not looking at you tonight like, oh man, and he really should, you really should because you need to earn something from me. He's just going, I just want to satisfy you. I just want to satisfy you. Don't settle, that's so stupid. I just want to satisfy you. And so don't do God a favor. Do it because he loves you, he's jealous for you, he yearns for you, and he hates to see his children settle. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you love us. How ridiculous is that? We thank you that you're patient with us, just like we saw in those verses. We saw people who did the most ridiculous thing and that you, you, you stuck with them, you stood by them, you loved them. And so God, we're grateful to you. And God, we just come to you tonight as people who need you. And we come to you tonight as people, God, who are asking you to forgive us for settling Forgive us for making anything ultimate besides you. And we thank you that this is a love thing, God. You care so deeply that our hearts are satisfied that you won't be okay with us living for things less than you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I would just ask you right now, would you bring the thing or things that you know are ultimate right now, would you bring those to God? And would you say, God, I want to make you ultimate? I want to I make you the thing that I live my life for, that I respond to, that I worship, that I enjoy, and that ultimately I find my satisfaction in. If you're not a follower of Jesus tonight and you're hearing that God can satisfy, I'm, I'm just telling you, I wouldn't waste your time with stuff that didn't work for me. I wouldn't waste your time with stuff that I knew to be a lie. I'm telling you, I know it's just me tonight. You heard a lot from me tonight, but I'm telling you, and the the people, a lot of them in the seats around you could tell you that this really works, and it's true, and God's jealous for you. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, he sees you living your life for a paycheck or a job or a car or stuff or a relationship or just yourself, and he goes, man, I love you. Don't settle. I sent my son to die for you, so you wouldn't have to live for that. There's better. And so if you want to know Jesus is your Savior tonight, I encourage you just to silently in your heart pray something like this. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being jealous for me. Thank you that you long for me to be yours. And so God, would you forgive me for my sin? And would you save me from trying to live for myself or stuff or other people And would you show me what it is to make my relationship with you the priority?